All right, we are at uh, session three, page 29 in our study guides, and today we're looking at uh, being transformed in our possessions. What was the first one we looked at? Transformed in our what? Worship. Worship. And the second one is what? Prayer. Transformed in our prayer. So we've looked at how we can be transformed in our worship, and we looked at how we can be transformed in our prayer. Now we're going to look at how we can be transformed in our possessions. Okay? This one that people don't like talking about. <laughs> right? Because these are things. One lady said to her, to her husband, what is yours is mine, and what is mine is mine. <laughs> okay, our things. Um, question number one. What are your most valuable possessions? What are your most valuable possessions? If you have any. House. House, okay. Those that we put the biggest investment in, right? Yeah. The most valuable is the, is the biggest. Okay. Clothing too? Yeah, boy, I tell you, some of the things, some of the money people spend on some of these weave, boy, I tell you. Um, you know, um, Ambos is always knocking these weave people. <laughs> but I was shocked when I was informed of what people spend on some of those things. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I still don't believe it. But it's amazing. So I guess for them, that's their valuable possession, their weave. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bible meets life. Let's have someone read that, please, on page 30. You can't take it with you. But some people certainly have tried. Take Billy Stanley. When he died at age 82, he was buried on his 1967 Harley Davidson Electra Glide Cruiser. Mm, in style. <laughs> he worked for years fabricating a massive casket of cement, wood, and plexiglass so everyone could witness, could witness his last ride. Mm. As the funeral proceeded to the cemetery, onlookers all saw Billy Stanley on his bike, surrounded by his trophies. He was determined to try and take it all with him. Mm. That may sound excessive, but we all can get carried away with our possessions. Perhaps you know someone who gets a little crazy about their car, couch, or carpet. Possessions aren't necessarily bad, but there's no doubt they can drive a wedge between us and God. If we aren't careful, we won't own our possessions. They will own us. Mm -hmm. That helps explain why Jesus spoke more about money than just about any other topic. Let's look back at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and let Christian transform our view of our possessions. Right. Let Christ uh, and let, let Christ transform our view of our possessions. Okay, so we want to endeavor to let Christ transform our view or how we see possessions. So what's the point of the lesson? Possessions don't last. 
your relationship with God does. And some people don't understand that. Some people don't realize that. Possessions don't last. Someone could break in your house and take your most valuable. Remember that time someone uh, stole uh, one of the Golden Girls medals? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I don't think she ever found them. No. You know, they, they don't last. You know, and uh, I mean, the fellow could get buried on his holly, but he's going. Yeah. You know, and more than likely, people who somebody saw that, that somebody went looking for that holly. <laughs> I can guarantee you, somebody uh -huh. went grave robbing that night. Yeah. <laughs> he took it to a grave. Yeah, but they could take flowers off the of He took it to the grave, but he couldn't take it to eternity. Exactly. The grave as far as he could take it. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's look at the passages then. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 21, on page 31. 19 to 24. 19 to 24, right. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth. When what and must destroy, let peace break in and see it. You collect for yourselves treasures in heaven, and it is a mark and a rest of stories. Let peace do break in and steal. For they are treasures there, Okay, now notice the, 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 the definition of treasures. The Greek word translated there literally means a deposit. In context, it refers to wealth considered so precious, we want to store it up and keep it for ourselves. Okay, now let's uh, consider what um, the passage is saying here. Look at verse 19. Again, Jesus says, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where, what gets it? Moth and rust. Moth and rust. Nothing can beat those two things when it comes to stuff that you start, try to store up and, and, and save. Jesus thought about the need to invest in heavenly treasure. He showed the, the monumental difference between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And he warned against collecting treasures on earth. This is a warning Jesus gives us in, in verse 19 about storing up a lot of treasures on earth. In doing so, Jesus didn't simply imply we should not have any interest in, in, in resources. Serving Him requires resources. If you're going to serve the Lord, you need stuff to serve Him with, right? When resources become treasures, however, something harmful happens inside us. We become more attached to the things than we are to God. Instead of managing the resources He gives us so we can serve Him, we find ourselves hoarding them as treasures which eventually become idols. People don't think about it that way, but whenever you embrace treasures to such an extent, you get to the point where you begin to worship those treasures. They become gods in your life. Now you don't see them as God, okay? You don't refer to them as God, but in a sense they become God because they take the place of God Himself in terms of putting them higher above God than anyone else, than any anything else. But notice also in verse 21, uh, Jesus handed on the next question as we take inventory of treasures. Uh, the Bible. In the Bible, the heart is considered the center of personality. Emotions, motivations, and affections come from where? The heart, right? All of your emotions and all of your motivations and all of your affections come from the heart. Okay? 
Looking into our hearts can give us the right starting place for determining our treasures. So if you want to know where your treasures are, what your treasures are, look at your heart. Look into your heart. What brings out our passions makes us take the paths we choose. In other words, whatever a person is passionate about, that is what they're going to pursue, right? Anytime you see a person pursuing something with all the vigor and energy there, you know you can say, well, that's his passion or that's a passion. Okay, and we see it all the time. Alright? So our passions determine the paths we choose and causes us to love with all our hearts. We can see what our hearts are set on and determine whether we're eagerly collecting heavenly treasure or earthly treasure. Okay, and that's what Jesus says, wherever your heart is, there will your treasures be. Okay? So we need to look at our hearts and see and determine whether we're eagerly collecting heavenly treasure or earthly treasure. Question number two. How does our culture reflect the truth of Jesus' statement in verse 21? Look at Jesus' statement in verse 21 again. Okay, what do you say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, back to the question. How does our culture reflect the truth of the statement in verse 21? We talked about, we read about the fellow and Harley Davidson, right? But how do, how do our culture in the Bahamas reflect the statement that Jesus made? What do we see? Run after things more than Jesus. Give some examples. Money, okay. Money has become an idol for people. What else? Position. Position, okay. Position or status. Okay, what else? The lifestyle we live. The lifestyle that people live, okay. Uh, the types of cars that people drive, right? Some people won't buy a certain type of car because that's beneath them. Or they won't drive it because it's beneath them. They got to have a certain kind of car to drive to be able to show people who they are. What else? giving like they used to. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're not giving as they should. God is blessing them, but they're not blessing God back. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a one that's prominent, that's common. Okay, let's look at the paragraph on page 32. Someone read that one. <coughs> We all have things we treasure, possessions we value more highly than others do. My wife often asks how many fishing lures one man can possibly need. <laughs> and my joking response is always the same, just one more. <laughs> the problem with our possessions is that they can never satisfy. We know this from experience, and yet we still feel the pressure when the next ad reveals something else we can't live without. It's not easy to turn away from earthly possessions, especially in today's culture, but it's critical for followers of Christ to do so. The good news from Matthew 6, 19 and 21 is that when we invest in, in eternal treasures, we send them ahead of us. When we use our resources and possessions to advance God's kingdom, we collect for ourselves treasures in heaven. One way we can invest in God's kingdom is through giving to our local church. I believe in the tithe, 
giving 10% of my money and resources to God. See Malachi 3.10. Some people say the tithe was part of the Old Testament law and therefore doesn't apply to us today. It's true that we now live under grace, but grace always goes beyond the letter of the law. I don't approach tithing as some legalistic practice. Instead, it's my starting point for giving, for acknowledging that everything ultimately belongs to God. Unfortunately, the church as a whole is doing a poor job of giving our resources back to God. Depending on what research you read, the average Christian gives between 2.5 and 4% of what they earn. I believe many in the church are living in financial scarcity because of their decision to withhold their resources from God. See 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. It doesn't have to be that way. When we trust God with our finances and put Him first, we'll be transformed in our possessions. Okay. Let's look at those two passages of scripture. Uh, the first one is Malachi 3.10. Someone find that and read it, please. Malachi 3.10. Okay, got it? Malachi 3.10, somebody got it? First, I told you get that. <laughs> so what? Then we said, then you say, it's first, and you find it, and then you stop reading it. And I didn't know it. <laughs> so you got to listen to the Spirit now. I tell you. <laughs> you got to listen to what the Spirit says. Malachi 3.10. Uh-huh. Bring ye all the ties into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Okay. Okay. Bring the whole tithe, not piece of it or part of it, right? The whole tithe, all of it, into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and fall for your blessing until it overflows. You want that kind of blessing? Oh, yes. Amen. So you got to do what, what it says required to do it, right? Yeah, I do that. Okay. <laughs> I wait on the blessing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Notice, notice a couple of points from what we read now. Two points from, from the, the paragraph we read. It's not easy to turn away from earthly possessions. True or false? True. Okay, especially in today's culture, right? Yes. But it's critical for followers of Christ to do so. It's critical for followers of Christ to do it, even though it's difficult. Okay, and the second point is, on the way, one way we can invest in God's kingdom is through giving to our local church. Right? Giving to our local church. And uh, we know that the church is always needful of resources, right? Yes. And then the third one, unfortunately the church as a whole is doing a poor job of giving resources back to God. Okay? And that some churches take all the money and give it to the fellows who <laughs> sit in charge to live lavish lifestyles. 
and the church is not uh, paying any attention to the harvest or reaching the loss or doing anything with the resources that God provides. And the fellows who run the church live in high on the hog. Okay, that's what's happening. That's what verses, that's the third point is talking about. The church as a whole is doing a poor job of giving the resources to God. Okay, when the fellow says he needs a brand new jet and it have to be a certain type of jet and it costs uh, 80 something million dollars and the people got to get that for him because God said he need that, you got a problem there. Right? As a problem in using the church resources in the wrong and taking advantage of God's people and their resources. Okay, look at then uh, verses 22 to 23. And uh, we'll see that Jesus used a, a key word picture to highlight the necessity of maintaining proper focus when living in a culture obsessed with money. And that not only is a culture that we live in, but it's a culture of the world today. Okay, um, before we get there, let's look at the activity on page 33. Jesus made it clear that we cannot serve both God and money. Use the following assessment to gain a picture of which master you've been serving in the following areas of your life. Is this too convicting? Boy! <laughs> is, is this exercise too convicting for us? Yes. Well, you don't have to audibly say it, but you know what, you, you know what it is, right? Yeah. Okay, serving money, serving God, Okay, your largest expense, serving money or serving God? Closer to serving God. Okay. Your tithes and offerings, serving money, serving God? Serving God. Okay, your current debt, serving money, serving God? Before, it was, it was closer to serving money. Now, I change it around. Okay. <laughs> Your savings and retirement, serving money, serving God. Serving God. Okay, your future prospects, serving money, serving God. Will be to serve God. Okay, so now that's something you can do on your own. Uh, that's before you and the Lord. You don't have to voice that audibly. Uh, Starry was willing to do that, and praise the Lord. Uh, God bless her. All right, but let's look at the other passages then um, uh, that Jesus talks about. And Matthew 22, 23. Uh, where he tells me highlights the necessity for proper focus when living in a culture obsessed with money. The eye is the love of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Okay, now look at the definition there for the lamp of the body. What does it say?
And that's something that we are challenged with consistently. Making God and His Kingdom our main priority. How many people do you know that has done that? It's a challenge, isn't it? Yes. Because of the type of world that we live in. It challenges us to do otherwise than making God our priority and His Kingdom our priority. Question number three on page 34. How, does these, how do these verses contribute to Jesus' teaching about possessions? Okay. Okay, look at the verse again. Okay, what is that? The answer? You brought nothing into this world. Your focus should be entirely on God, who is the author and finisher. Okay, making God the number one. Right, and his kingdom number one. But uh, people are, uh, who are born with an Adamic nature have a tendency to continue that Adamic nature even into salvation, where it's me, 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 I, I, I. Right, and so that's one of the things that we ought to be cautious about. Um, one other question would be, what symptoms do we experience when we are losing our spiritual focus? Again, I, me, I, me, right? Okay, let's read the paragraphs on page 34. How good is your eyesight? How good is your eyesight? Not so good. Mm. <laughs> According to the Vision Impact Institute, three out of four Americans need vision correction. And of that group, up to 41% don't wear glasses or contacts on a regular basis, but they should. Let me state the obvious. Life can be skewed, even dangerous, if it's not in focus. That's equally true if our spiritual focus is out of whack. Jesus spoke of the eye that is good, borrowing from the Jewish idea that a good eye represented a generous attitude. By contrast, a bad eye was stingy and self-focused. In the modern world, a nearsighted attitude only considers how things affect me. It's easy to base decisions easy to base decisions on our own comfort or pleasure, even to the point where we lose focus on God's kingdom. We need to remember these words from the Apostle Paul, so we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. How do you fix your eyes on something you cannot see? Several actions will help you maintain a clear focus so that your eye is good and your whole body will be full of light. Matthew 6 and 22. Fix your eyes daily on Christ. Hebrews 12 and 2. Renew your mind daily through the word. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Confess any selfish pursuits, interests, or goals that cloud your vision. Psalm 119, 36 to 37. Invest in others and build up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 20, 21. Your spiritual vision is important. Do whatever it takes each day to keep your focus on Christ. Okay, now notice uh, the list uh, that we have here on these verses in this passage. Mm-hmm. How do we fix our eyes on something we cannot see? Uh, several actions help maintain a clear focus so that your eye is good and your whole body will be full of light. Matthew 6.22 
says your eye is a lamp that provides light to the whole body. When your eye is good, the whole body is full of light. Okay. Fix your eyes on Christ. Okay. Fix your eyes on Christ. We do this by doing what? Keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Hebrew 12, 22. It says we do this by keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And then the other point was renew your mind daily through, his, through the word. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a who initiates the perfect, the perfect, the perfect, and perfects our faith. I guess you've done Okay. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's truth. Okay. And then the other point is confess any selfish pursuits interests or goals that cloud your vision and that's Psalm 119 verse 36 and 37 it says give an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word that's Psalm 119 36 37 and then the other point was invest in others and build treasures in heaven Okay, Matthew twenty, Matthew six twenty twenty one. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust can't destroy them, and thieves can't break in and steal them. Okay, wherever your treasure is, their desires of your heart will be also. Okay, all right. Let's look at Matthew uh, six verse twenty four. Just verse twenty four. What are you reading? 
Oh, no, no, we didn't get to that one yet. 31. Yeah, read um, um, uh, the verse. Yeah, page, page 31, the verse uh, Matthew 6, 24. Page 31. No one can be a slave of two masters. Right. So I think you either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. Okay, you can't save God and money. So verse 24, uh, with this verse, we come face to face with a foundational decision every growing follower of Christ have to make whom or what will control our lives whom or what will control our lives that's what Jesus wanted, un wanted understood when he used this, the imagery of the slave and the master slavery requires complete submission to one master it's an all encompassing lifestyle that consumes one completely a slave lives and breathes in order to please a master who exercises complete, exclusive power over absolutely every single thing he or she does. Jesus didn't want his hearers deceiving themselves into thinking that they could maintain a divided loyalty. And a lot of people think that way today. A slave who tries to live with the competing loyalties will eventually cave in to the tension and surrender to one master and rebel against the other. In the same way, all people will eventually make a choice regarding whom they will want, whom they, whom or what they will serve. Divided loyalty is nothing more than a myth. It's a dream. Okay, it doesn't exist. A Christian who thinks and behaves otherwise will have a rude awakening about absolute devotion. Okay, so Jesus is basically what Jesus said, you can't do both. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. It's a, it's a myth. It, it just can't happen. Question number four on page 35. When have you felt the tension of trying to serve two masters? Okay, when was the last time you felt pulled in two directions? You've been trying to serve two, two things at the same time. Is that a good feeling? No. 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 It's confusing, right? It's difficult and confusion will drive you crazy. Okay, drive you. Okay, Sister Rosie can go ahead and read that paragraph on page 35. As the old song says, you have served somebody. Ultimately, you serve what you focus on each day. Most people live in their lives as slaves to their own passion and desires, but both Paul and James have identified themselves as slaves of Christ to Romans 1 1 James 1. That may sound ironic since no one is more than free than a follower of Christ. Yet that's a paradox of the gospel. A life lived for self leads to slavery, while a life in service and surrender to Christ leads to freedom. Think about being a slave, and again, everyone serves someone or something, is that you can only have one master. Jesus is clear. If you're serving money, which means chasing after it and filling the life with all it can give you, you're not serving God. Jesus was calling for 
single-minded devotion and commitment. The tough call is in our culture, which is short of commitment. The largest cult in our country is the cult of cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity says Jesus came to be a part of your life. That's false. Jesus never came to be a part of our lives. Either he is our entire life. See Colossians 3 and 4. And he has no part of our lives. We have, made, we have to make a choice between those two. And that choice will be reflected in our relationship with money. Money is an area where many of us have come promised instead of being fully committed to Christ. Why should this be so? Answer, the answer is fair. We are we're afraid God won't provide. Fully committing our finances. God is perhaps the toughest test of our faith that many of us will face. One passage God has used time and time again to grow my faith and help me to trust God. Build my finances. <coughs> While my finances is Psalm 37 25. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous lament on his children begging for bread. Money and possessions are temporary. Temporary. God is faithful and he has promised to never abandon us. Let's the one who has never let us down. Okay. Amen. Okay, so money is an area that many of us have compromised instead of being fully committed to Christ, the passage says. Okay, question number five. How can we work as a community to stay focused on the things that last? Go all out for God. Okay, having one focus, going all out for God. Okay, not having a divided allegiance, right? Yeah. Is there any other way? That's the only way, right? as a community to stay focused on the things that last so what's the point possessions don't last your relationship with God does and apparently some people have that backward okay they think that possessions last and your relationship with God doesn't okay let's look at how we can live this out in our week as we go ahead as we move ahead Let's look at some suggestions here. Uh, what will you do this week to make your relationship with God a priority over possessions? Consider the options. Memorize. Commit Psalm 37:25 to memory. What is Psalm 37:25? I was young. Um, okay. Okay. Let this verse strengthen your faith and drive out your fear, especially as it relates to your finances. Okay, and the second point is review. Take a look at your bank statement or purchase history for the past month. Use this information to make a list of your priorities and major concerns. Okay, some people don't even look at their bank statement. Some people don't get bank statements. Right. Some people don't understand the bank statements. Okay, some people get them and then throw them away. They don't even open them. Okay, so that's the challenge. Look at your bank statement and uh, look at the history of the past month. And then thirdly, invest. One way to invest in God's kingdom is through giving to your church. 
if you haven't been giving, start this week. If you are giving, take the next step and begin giving 1% more of your income to God's kingdom. Okay, so that's three challenges. Memorize, review, and invest. Uh, three things we can do as a result of applying this lesson uh, during the course of the coming week. Okay, and then remember, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing your earthly resources in, in heavenly treasures. Remember that truth. Because of your possessions, because your possessions will last for the blink of an eye, your investments in God's kingdom will last for eternity. Okay? One blink of an eye and all your possessions are gone. Uh huh. You agree this, why not understand that you should only give to your church? What about poor people? I think it's just in giving and not giving to your church. Oh, giving is just one, giving to your church is just one way. Oh, but, but you can give to other, other means as well. Giving, right, giving to poor, but even if needed, mm -hmm. giving to people. Oh. Yeah. Give as the Lord directs. That's right.